The NFL isn't the only thing with a new season. Welcome to the second season of Full Blown Coverage. Just another football podcast no one asked for. I'm Mark Sarah, and I'm joined each week by Andrew Irvin and Ken Menard. What do you two have to say for yourselves? Let's get the show on the road, man. About time football's back. We're back. We're back. Like the McRib. I've got a phenomenal new microphone for this season, uh, so my voice is going to sound voluptuous. Uh, vol- voluptuous? Yes, sir. Or v- voluptuous. You, you've compared your voice to a set of large breasts, and you, sped, and you said it wrong. Voluptuous? <laughs> How uh, would you say that word? Voluptu- voluptuous. No, M. I like Oompa Loompa. Volup. Voluptuous. Okay. I might prove or, you wrong about that by the well, end of this podcast. Now that, well, you probably, you probably say, you probably rescue. say verbiage instead of verbiage. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, probably do. This is a great start to this, to season uh, two. Great start to this season. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've got lots to cover this week. The off season, the rookie quarterback class, rookie head coaches and coaches who are over their heads. Super Bowl long shots, weekly parlays, mojo memes, and even a visit to the dump to improve your fantasy squad. Of course, we end every episode with a grab bag, which you won't want to miss if you're a fan of the Washington football team. (laughs) But before we dive in, a quick word from our crack legal team. The content of this podcast is not intended to be alert to gambling. Instead, the information we present is meant for nothing more than informational and entertainment purposes. Full-blown coverage and its affiliates are not liable for any losses that are incurred or problems that arise from consideration of this podcast content. If you are gambling utilizing information from this podcast, you are doing so completely and totally at your own risk. If you feel that you may have a gambling problem or addiction, there are many outlets by which you can seek help. If you do not know what responsible gambling is, this especially means you. Wait, our legal team is on crack? Yeah, exactly. We have a le- we have a legal team. <laughs> we have a legal te- we have a legal team, guys. It doesn't consist of just me. Uh, is is that where all of our money's going? <laughs> yeah, I know they're really bleeding us dry here. Uh, yeah, mine went to this microphone. Yeah, I'm not even using it. Using a different <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, Ken got a, uh, Ken got a new microphone that he's elected yeah, not to it's, use. It's sitting over here next to me. Very too complicated very, to install. Yeah, very complicated. It's very bulging and voluptuous as well. So just <laughs> wait for the use. Yeah. Somebody um, just used the M in voluptuous. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even say it that right that time. Voluptuous. Now you got everybody confused. Everybody's saying it wrong now. It's like a disease. Now we have the title of this episode. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's move into our Let's start with the NFL's offseason, which was full of thrilling, even controversial storylines. Drew, which of these was your least favorite? I mean, like every offseason, my least favorite is people talking about things that they think are a big deal that aren't a big deal. So uh, I'll just do Russell Wilson slash Aaron Rodgers offseason quarterback drama. Yeah. The thing that frustrates me about it is, I mean, there were Vegas odds on who – who Russell Wilson was going to get traded to. And at one point, I think it was a favorite that he was going to get traded. And then at the end of the day, what did the Seahawks really do to appease Russell Wilson? They signed a a guard or traded for a guard for a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, drafted a receiver in the fourth round. Like, kind of tight end. Got him on the same page with a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. 
mean, it wasn't. But I mean, the offensive coordinator was in place before all this happened. It just seemed like I'm going to say uh, smoke and no fire for that one. Yeah. Um, the Aaron Rodgers one obviously was a little more credible. He was pretty public about his uh, grievances. But at the same time, like, what did the Packers do? They signed Randall Cobb, his best mate, to come back, and now it's fine. Like, both of these guys had absolutely no leverage. Who's Who are the Seahawks going to trade for Russell Wilson? I mean, I talked about it last time. They would need another starting quarterback, an impact player, and three first-round picks, in my opinion. And it's like, who who's going to do that? Who's going to trade another great quarterback, a great impact player, and three first-round picks? Like, it's not going to happen. Same with the Packers. Like, the Packers have a chance to win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. So what does that cost another team? Yeah. The media smelled blood in the water, and they ran with it. That's – that's what they always do. But it was just, it was just obvious to me from the beginning, and it was just ugh. I mean, I, I don't really watch off-season drama, but it was especially exhausting with those two to me. That was my least favorite. I, I I agree, man. You know, a lot of times it's not about who you play for; it's about who you play for next, and a lot of those rumors and things like that. But you know. At the end of the day, a win-now team would have had to trade for him, and there aren't a lot of win-now teams that don't have a quarterback. Maybe Denver. That's about it. 100%. But, like, who's you, – you're not going to – like, the Jags aren't going to trade for Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. What's the point? They're, they're, the rest of their team is just awful, and he wouldn't want to go there anyway. So they'd have to be in a win-now situation to do it, and, frankly, it just got annoying after a while. Why not why – not, why don't, why don't everybody just get in a room and talk and just be like, all right, what's the deal here? What do we got to do to make everybody happy here? What's the win-win situation, win-win scenario that we can come up with? Um, and um, it is annoying after a while. You can't even concentrate on their team. My favorite part yeah. is that, you know, there was the rumor for a minute that Russell was going to go to Chicago, who, by the way, has one of the worst offensive lines in the league. <laughs> Yeah. Why would right. he go there? Mm-hmm. From from, from well, Hawks, any, they have that, a worse line than we did. That's my point. Is any team with half an arsenal to acquire Rodgers or Wilson, neither player would want to want to go to. I mean, just made it made when you looked at it, it made no sense. Um, but you know what? It filled a lot of rundowns for our former uh, colleagues at ESPN. So yeah. Good for them. That's right. I mean, maybe Indy, if Indy got there in time and didn't get Wentz, but even still, like, the Wentz thing went down pretty quick. There's nowhere for them to go. But I don't think either one of them were ever actually close to being traded. No. No. Stupid. It's a waste of my time. Yeah. That's why we didn't do any episodes in the offseason. It's all smoke. I I, I got another storyline that I feel like comes up every – every few weeks and that is the the no fun leagues crackdown on nfl taunting and the the reason i dislike this storyline is not because of my opinion on the issue but because i'm tired of anti-vaxxers thinking no fun league is a clever or funny interpretation of an acronym it's fucking dumb (laughs) you know what else is is dumb dumb. (laughs) those fucking fbi female body inspector t-shirts people in jinkos used to wear yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead yeah, of penalizing I, I taunting, did. we should be I, focused on shaming people who make acronym jokes. Bad acronyms. I hate them. 
Also, can we not call can we not call something that has like a hundred million viewers a week the no fun league? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just get the Dude, fuck out of here. My whole weekend is based around Sunday this weekend. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. For Nothing. the next 17 weeks, my entire yeah. weekend is based around no Sunday. No, no need. And you're like, I'm definitely not gonna watch on Sunday if my star cornerback can't give the peace sign when he's taking a pick six to the yeah. house. Yeah, or like pretending to like jack himself off or like, you know, fire all over the end zone or something. That's I don't need to see that. I don't need to see that. You probably don't need to see, but (laughs) it's an emotional game. Let people celebrate. Yeah. A lot goes into it. You know? A lot goes into it. All right. Five quarterbacks were selected in the first 15 picks of the 2021 NFL draft. If history tells us anything, one of these guys could end up in the Hall of Fame, and the other four will own used car dealerships in a few years. Ken, now that the regular season is upon us, which rookie quarterback has warmed your dead, cold heart? Mac Jones, without a doubt. And the reason why I say that is he has a clear, defined plan of what they want him to do. He's not there to be a savior. He's going to do what he was asked. Obviously, there's the Saban and Belichick connection, but what it really came down to with with the Patriots, in my opinion, was it wasn't who was going to help them win. It was going to help who was going to help them not lose. Mac Jones' job is not to lose the game. Belichick has the had that blueprint with Tom Brady. He won three Super Bowls without Brady being the greatest quarterback of all time. He also had that blueprint with the Giants with Phil Simms. And they won, they won two Super Bowls, though Sims wasn't starting for the second one. But really what it comes down to is who's going to not lose the game more often? And I think Mac Jones has clear, defined um, responsibilities and expectations placed on him by, by their, their, their coaching staff. And, and honestly, that, that should make him feel very comfortable. Hey, if I just do this every week, we're going to have a chance to win and I'm going to get better. Right. Rather than like someone like Justin Fields, who is not going to start the season, but you know, bears fans think he's the savior. They think that in their mind, once Justin Fields comes in, he's going to turn their whole season around. They'll make the playoffs and they'll be great. And, and shockingly, they were a playoff team last year, but really I think Mac Jones, just with, you know, where he's at, what he's expected to do, What's around him? Their team is built to run the ball, protect the ball, play defense, and win ugly until maybe he can be, you know, uh, take his game to the next level. I mean, he delivers the ball on time. He's got leadership skills. He's won before. And, and I mean, there's absolutely no way Belichick would have drafted him without, you know, Saban saying, dude, this guy's going to be good, man. Yeah, I mean, and also, doesn't he look – he looks like – Bill Belichick's tulpa. He, he looks like some beam that Belichick imagined in his mind and then just rendered into reality. I'm going to have to Google tulpa as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I just went with the audience. You guys don't know too. what a tulpa no, no is? No. no. See, now, see, now, this is stuff is you it, learn from playing Dungeons and Dragons. I know, I know as much about tulpas <laughs> as Drew does about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually... I, I have somebody else, but I do agree with you, Ken. And it's interesting. Uh, 
that quarterbacks aren't evaluated more on throwing accurate, catchable passes. I feel like yep. so much is taken in now by somebody's arm and how far they can throw it and all this stuff. But like, if Mac Jones can just be accurate and throw catchable balls, like there were multiple receivers for Alabama, four of which have gone in the first round in the last two years that preferred Mac Jones to Tua. And Tua has a better arm than Mac Jones, but if he can have touch and accuracy, I mean, yep. Yep. He, as a wide receiver, that's all you want is just yep. put the ball in my hands on a good plane. You don't need to show me how strong you are from on a six yard out. Uh, so I, I, I think that's a good pick. Um, I think my, my pick actually goes back to the media again. I think there's so much intrigue into who's going to be better between Mac Jones, Wilson, the Jets, that people forget like kind of how good Trevor Lawrence is. Like it's kind of gotten lost because it's not a sexy storyline. Um, he was a three-year starter at Clemson. He played in some big games. Like you can't say that about Zach Wilson. Um, he, I, I, I doubt he's played in a game with any sort of championship implications on the line and, and felt that pressure before. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's record is 86 and four as a starting quarterback in high school and college, like 86 yeah, and four. Jesus. Yeah. And if you looked at all his draft comparisons, it was John Elway, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Like, yep. I, even if he doesn't hit those marks, that's a pretty damn good quarterback. So anyways, I think the, I think there is way more intrigue in knocking down bears fans or jets fans on who, on what this quarterback's going to be, if he's going to be Mahomes or if he's going to be Darnold or whatever, uh, that it's more fun to talk about, but it's actually made possibly a generational quarterback kind of fly under the radar. You know what else is fun about this too? His first regular season game against the Texans. He's going to get to tee off on one of the league's worst defenses. I have this weird feeling that I have this weird feeling that the Texans are going to be better than people think just because the entire world is shitting on the Texans. That seems to happen sometimes. (laughs) That's, that's true. And we'll get We'll get into that here soon too. Here's the thing about Trevor Lawrence though. He's not going to have a very good season, but they gave him a few weapons DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, and LaVisca Chenault, those are good players. James Robinson had a good season last year. Carlos Hyde is their backup running back, right? But Daryl Bevel is his offensive coordinator. You know, like, and, and they also have a head coach. Look, I love Urban Meyer. I think it's a great hire, but you have to, at some point, you know, we, we've never really questioned his motivation for doing this or his motivation for coaching at all. He's had health problems in the past. He's done a great job everywhere he's gone, but he's also never coached in the NFL. I'm sure he probably talked to some of his NFL buddies, Belichick, Saban, whomever that's been coaching there. But you'd almost kind of want to see Trevor come into the league with an offensive coordinator not named Daryl Bevel. I have a question for you, Ken. Don't you think it's interesting with all of uh, Urban Meyer's connections in football that he went with Daryl Bevel as the – yeah. Offensive coordinator. Seems yep, odd. Exactly. It's, it was very odd to me. Like, like I said, I, I would think that he would 
find some young guy that he can, but, but also, but here let's, but also we can think of it this way. This is urban's first head coaching job. He has a veteran offensive coordinator who's going to handle a lot of things as urban grows accustomed to coaching in the NFL. So maybe there's um, that, that was some of the reasoning behind that, but I, I agree. I thought he would, would have picked somebody else. It seems interesting that uh, urban Meyer is known of, as one of the best offensive minds in college football history. Like if you name, mm-hmm. I don't, is he in the top three, at least top five? Yeah. definitely. Um, and then he goes with Daryl Bevel, which is known as just like you guys said, he's been just kind of uh, passed around the NFL. I mean, anyone that was the offensive coordinator for the lions doesn't stand a chance, but hey, he's, he's, he's offensive cancer. It's, it's an interesting pairing. Yeah, I agree. I don't get it. What, what do you think the over-under is on how many years Bevel stays there? One. Yeah. One and a half. Yeah, 1.5. I hate over-unders that are whole numbers, so one and a half. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you who has impressed me the most in the preseason is Justin Fields. I think Andy Dalton is going to be the straw man of Chicago. Matt Najee might have named him as a starter, but this is only so he can fail, paving the way for Fields to look like the savior. As I mentioned earlier, the Bears' offensive line is a fucking mess. Old Andy is doomed to be traveling in one direction, and that is backwards. Fields, on the other hand, is the future. A young, mobile, big-play quarterback who can make something out of nothing in his three preseason games, Fields, Fields had a 94 quarterback rating. Completed 30 of 49 passes for 276 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. Andy scrambled 92 yards on 11 rushing attempts, including one touchdown and 8.3 average yards per carry. This might be an ugly season for the Bears, but the good news is they're positioned to turn things around as soon as the 11th pick overall is under center, which I predict happens no later than week four versus Detroit. They made the playoffs last year with Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) You know, I mean – not that bad of a team. NFC is pretty good. It's not like there's a, you know, Super Bowl champion came out of the NFC, you know, so, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. But Mitch, Mitch was younger and Mitch was younger and had some legs. I don't think Andy's <laughs> going to be doing the same thing behind that line. No, nope. Which is why I think Fields is quarterback by week four, especially when a coach is coaching for his job. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly why he started Andy Dalton. The safe pick. Safe pick. Well, Players aren't the only rookies in the NFL this year. We've got a handful of new head coaches anxious to prove that they're more than just the subject of a press release. Drew, which new coach will have the best post-game sound bites? Well, you know the best uh, post-game sound bites will come from. Well, to normally what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go, to, you know, Starbucks. I get two venti of the pipe with two shots in them, so black eye and both. <laughs> That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. So <laughs> I respect somebody that loves coffee as much as I do. <laughs> I don't even think I could do that though. We should do. Uh, I don't think you could either. We should do our next FBC on two venti coffees with double espresso floaters in them. Yeah. yeah. See what happens. Give see it a who shot. dies first. <laughs> um, my, I don't think I. I think your question is actually about who the better coach would be, but that will be my best post-game soundbite, but maybe that means, like, who will have the most 
uh, positive things to say. And I'm kind of coming around on Arthur Smith, to be honest with you. I think uh, I looked at the Falcons schedule last year. They lost eight games by five points or less. Uh, they're not a bad team. Uh, from everything that has been said about Kyle Pitts, he'll be an interesting addition to the offense. And he really turned around Ryan Tannehill and the, and the Titans. Uh, his, fa- his family pedigree of leadership, I think, will come in yep. handy as a head coach. Um, and I think when you put together his offensive mind with uh, his family leadership traits, I wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons won 10 games this year. Me neither. Nice. Not a not lot. And, and that was – I. and if you guys remember last year, that was, that was the head coaching pick higher that I would have made easily. That's the guy I would have went after. I mean, he took Ryan, Hel- Ryan Tannehill, for, like you said, from the scrap heap, and Tannehill's a pretty damn good quarterback, maybe top 10 in the league now, top 12. Um, but I'll be, you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, we joke around about him a lot, but I, I sent you that article today about Dan Campbell. I, I think it. that'll be really, yeah, I think that'll be really interesting. I mean, a lot of that stuff in the article really kind of, it made me feel better about the Lions, Harum. Not that I give a shit about the Lions because I'm not a Lions fan, but, but what I thought was really interesting was how being a tight end his whole life, he, he was involved in the passing game and the running game. So he understood coverages. He understood offensive spacing and formations. He understood fronts. He understood blocking schemes. So if you think about it this way, even though he's never been a coordinator, one, he did play for Parcells in Dallas, mostly because like the article said, Sean Payton bought him there, but he also coached with Sean Payton. And I think we can all agree. Sean Payton's one of the best coaches in the league. Sure. Right. Exactly. But, but, you know, being, being in a position of management, okay, where you have to manage people, you have to manage their emotions and the mental side of things, but you also have to manage them tactically and what, what exactly what they're doing and the mistakes that they're making. And I think it really goes a long way when a coach can go up to a defensive tackle and have a deeper understanding about how he has to play and what he needs to do and have that conversation. It'll build that immediate rapport with him. So, you know, I mean, Nick Sirianni's press conferences have been horrible. Nobody has any faith in him. (laughs) Right. And you know what? Those mistakes happen. Maybe they'll learn, maybe they'll get better at them. But, you know, reading that article, you know, almost kind of made you understand why, you know, Dan Campbell was an option for an NFL team to hire. Um, sure. So that'll be that'll be really interesting, and and honestly, it'll be interesting to see how Jared Goff does. Maybe maybe he needed to get away from Sean Payton as much as Sean Sean Payton Sean McVay as much as Sean McVay wanted him out of there. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's also with Dan Campbell and the type of tight end that he is. To your point, he can relate. He can relate to the offensive line. He can relate to the receivers, exactly. pass catcher, and he can relate to the quarterback. Yep. And so his entire career, he's, he's been a guy that's been able to float in different circles and, and understand blocking schemes, mm-hmm. routes, quarterbacks. So I, I think his, his, his meme worthiness, I think actually takes away from the possibility of, of him. Like people don't think of him actually like, being a pretty smart offensive mind because yeah. like it's so easy to just 
cue up that press conference that, that I just that may with end up conference. working to the Lions' advantage too. You know, if they don't take him as seriously as a coach as as they should. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing, I mean, you're a ba- he was a backup tight end. I remember he was on the Giants. In fact, uh, I think I put money on him to score the first touchdown in uh, that Super Bowl against the Ravens um, just on a whim. But, I mean, he also probably is a backup tight end, played a lot of special teams. So he has a hand the, in that. What were the odds on that? Were the odds on that like plus was like, 200 oh, million? It was, uh, <laughs> it was close, very close. It was a long time ago. But, um, you know, he, he has his finger on the pulse of special teams, too. So, you know, m- maybe there's more to it than that. You know, you know, Drew, I worked Chris Spillman. Not many more people I respect more than Chris. You know, I, I like to think Chris knows what he's doing. So that was actually a really interesting article that kind of put that higher in perspective today. Would have been nice if they released something like that, you know, whatever, eight months ago when he got hired, but. Best tight end, best former tight end coach since Mike Ditka. Ken Wisenhunt. <laughs> Is he on that list? I mean, made it to yeah. played, made it to a Super Bowl with the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, he did. Look, I don't think there's any questions that that Sirianni and Campbell are going to have the most entertaining post game sound bites, and I think both of your guys' choices are great. But for me, Brandon Staley, new head coach of the Chargers. He's going to be the most primed to be smiling during press conferences this season. He's got 2020 Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert. Looks like a franchise quarterback and spent time this offseason training with Drew Brees. The rest of the roster on the Chargers is loaded with talent. But the Rams in L.A. have absorbed most of the heat. So I feel like the pressure is actually sort of low on the Chargers, um, which is where you where you want it. And the only thing holding them back last year really was coaching and a lower-ranked defense. You bring in Brandon Staley. This guy was a brilliant defensive mind who coached the Rams defense to first in points and total yards allowed last year as their defensive coordinator. And that's what won him ultimately the head coaching job for the Chargers. I think with a 17th-ranked strength of schedule in 2021, Chargers get their first 10-plus win season since 2018. Derwin James. Uh Derwin James, he's going to be a big I, I difference maker. I think I, as we'll get to later, I think the Chargers are going to be good. Um, we have to remember that the, the Rams had the possibly the best defensive player of all time, which True. creates being the defensive coordinator a little bit easier when you have uh, Aaron Donald in the middle. He didn't have yeah. Lawrence Taylor. Sure, didn't but have it takes, okay. it takes a team. It takes okay, Ken. He's in. He, he's won. Th- he's won three. He's won three straight defensive player of the year awards. My point is MVP. just that he's he's in the conversation. He's in the conversation for maybe the best players now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that. But I mean, that's a bold statement. I'm not saying. I I said maybe one of the best defensive players of all time. LT. If Billichek says he's the. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I just said. <laughs> Athletic just came out with their top 100 players. LT was in the top five easily. I muted the word <laughs> on Twitter and it's made my life so much better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I could do? You know what I'll do, Drew? I'll add a <laughs> when you say uh, it. Yeah. Nobody can say it on this podcast. No. If you if you say that we should start a we should start a like a a bag of money 
every time you say <laughs> you have to throw like 10 bucks into it or, or yeah. mount rushmore who says mount rushmore? <laughs> i hate mount rushmore that. arguments hey you know who's on the hey you know who's on the mount rushmore is fucking sam sam Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interior Darnold. defensive yeah. lineman. Aaron Donald. Sam Darnold is on the Mount Rushmore uh, yeah. of shitty Jets quarterbacks. Uh, I, I got, got a follow-up question guys. for you guys. Who's the first head, head coach posting a resume on Monster.com this season? David Culley, Houston Texans, oh, yeah. without a doubt. They they tanked it this year. They knew they knew Deshaun wasn't going to – Deshaun ain't going to play this year, in my opinion. They, and they know it. They're done. They're just tanking. I mean, is there a less desirable head coaching position in the NFL or any sport than that? Ima- imagine, I mean, for David Cole, imagine spending over 40 years on various coaching staffs waiting for your chance to grab the top job. And when you're finally given command, it's of a ship that sunk so far to the bottom so fast that James Cameron might make a documentary about it. Well, well, dude, it's it's a, just like we want to make as much money as we can. So do they. I mean, sure. a lot of those guys start out. They're so low, so completely and totally underpaid starting out as like, you know, just watching film and driving guys around and and getting stuff, you know, and and all of a sudden somebody gives you an opportunity to make five million dollars in a year. And that's five times or five and a half times more than you ever made in your life. And even so, so what I'll take 5 million to fail as the Texans head coach for a year. So a lot of these guys, they have, they really don't have a choice. That's like life changing money. So in a lot of cases, uh, an old colleague of mine used to say it's a scumbag league. (laughs) It's a scumbag league. People want to make money just as much as we do. And David Cully, David Cully's done. And their GM, they got to get rid of that guy too, man. Just start all over, strip it down. But, I mean, honestly, Mark, to your point, they've actually done a really good job of letting their coaches stay probably longer than they should have. Kubiak was there for a long time, right? Bill O'Brien was there for a while, and, and people thought he might have been fired. And, and two seasons ago, they were in the AFC Championship game and had a 28 nothing lead. I, I think you're That's right. I think, I think the two things that are different for Coley is that a Josh McCowan has already all but been named his successor. And as you mm-hmm. just pointed out, you've got a rookie GM and Nick Serio, who's a new England transplant, who we all know likely isn't afraid to sacrifice you to the mob. Uh, I was talking about Jack Easterby because from all reports you read that guy, that guy might be the issue. Yeah. So I do have a point on this. I think, in my opinion, to be the first fired, I think you have to have high expectations or at least some expectations and fall below those expectations. Good point. Um, so I have a couple guys because I, I think, honestly, if the Texans won six games this year, the national landscape would think that was a actually a pretty Success. good – Good season. Success. Success. Yeah. So like to me, the first fired, I'm thinking of what team could start one and five, two and five, something like that. And, and management makes a decision to try to turn things around, especially with a 17 game season this year, you have a little more time to write the ship. So I had a, I have a couple, your guy in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury, 
could be li- could be list in his draft pad sometime mm-hmm. soon. Um, he's a possibility. Um, if Matt Nagy somehow screws up this uh, quarterback decision, which makes no sense to any of us mm-hmm. or any Chicago uh, citizens, he could be on the chopping block if they start out tough and and if he yeah. sticks with with Dalton for too long. But there's no pressure like the Cowboys pressure. They start off with uh, at Tampa Bay and at Los Angeles Chargers, which could easily start 0-2. And then you're thinking, like, he's got to go 2-3 and three to not be 2-5. and five. And in my opinion, Mike McCarthy is, in, is – on the is on a hot seat. His his last three seasons as a head coach, he's gone seven and nine, four and seven, which he was fired halfway through that season, and then six and ten last year. So that's about dreadful. I don't know a thirty five percent winning percentage. Um, I didn't get any confidence watching Hard Knocks. I don't know if you guys did. No, but I, I. If anything, I got a lot less confidence. <laughs> not that I even had any before. I I mean, he won a Super Bowl. 11 years ago with Aaron Rodgers in his prime. And I haven't really seen any, him do anything with that since then. So to me, I look at, I look at, I look at people that are under the, that have high expectations that have a possibility of not reaching them. And I mean, would it shock you if, if the Cowboys started bad, if Mike McCarthy made a change, especially if they have Kellen Moore, who's supposedly this prodigy mm-hmm. as offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely wouldn't shock me. I also think the, I mean, the last six times the Cowboys have been projected to be the top of that division. I think they've only wound up at the top once. Are they projected yeah. to be at the top again this year? They say, but Dak coming back, yeah, yeah. All right, projecting a Super Bowl winner and MVP are among the most popular of futures bets, but they're also the most predictable. To make things interesting at FBC, we're selecting our favorite long shots, meaning that each pick must have odds of plus 2,000 or higher. Ken, you look like you probably wore Stussy t-shirts in high school. Give us your underdogs. Ken only shops at Target, so they're probably Mossimo (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. Or Big Dog. Why are you obsessed with my wardrobe? Can I just wear what I want? Be left alone? You are the you text me pictures of the shirts you got at Target and you talk about no, how I cheap got it they at, are. I got it at Old Navy for two bucks because I thought <laughs> it would be funny to say Brad would wear this on vacation and brag about it. So yeah. all right. I'm gonna here's a question for you guys. Who are the only three players in NFL history to win the NFL MVP award that were not a quarterback or a running back? Don't know the answer to that. Jerry question. Rice. No. Jer- no, Jerry Rice. Okay. All right. One of them you guys are n- going to know because Lawrence I just Taylor, said, you already gave exactly. one of them away. 1986, right? 1986. Okay. What, are, now, what other position? The, give me the other positions. I'm not done guessing. Defensive line. I can't give you the other position. I'll give it away. Reggie White. No. In 1971, future Supreme Court justice or judge Alan Page was the MVP for the Minnesota Vikings, the purple people eaters. Wow. But but what a lot of people don't remember is that in 1982, Ray Guy. No, in the strike shortened season, (laughs) Mark Mosley, the kicker for the Redskins, won the MVP award. What? Yes. He (laughs) made real life. Yes. He made all these game when they won the Super Bowl that year. He made all these game winning kicks. 
And like the, everyone's stats were all fucked up because they only played nine games and he wound up winning the MVP that year. Crazy. God, one, so, I have a question for Mark. One, why is there not a movie about this? <laughs> that's two, a good question. An, un, an untold. Yeah. Two, what would the movie be called? <laughs> well, I, I think I would have to know more about this, this, this season. I mean, strike season. There strike you go. season strike yeah. season yeah i don't know i don't know enough about the story i'm sure there's some clever hook that would lead why, me. I, why i bring this up why i bring this up because when you ask for long shots to win the nfl mvp award you're picking a kicker i'm picking miles garrett cleveland uh, browns okay yeah i really i really think that this this year the browns are going to be pretty damn good and we're not talking about him being good in the maybe the Browns will be good. Finally, the Browns were awesome last year and they're going to be really good again. And it, he's a great player. And what I mean, maybe this is the year for it. Yeah, maybe. Right. He would have he would have to break the single season sack record, which is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, I am also not selecting a quarterback. And I think the last running back that one MVP was Adrian Peterson in 2012. Yep. I think this year Christian McCaffrey's grabbing it um, and the cover of Madden 23. I think that if, you know, if you look at the mind bending season he had in 2019, <clears throat> I mean, the guy had, you know, 1,387 yards and 15 touchdowns um, rushing coupled with 1,005 receiving yards and four touchdowns receiving he was really just getting started again in 2020 before he sustained the injury in three games alone that, that, that he did play. He had 225 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, 149 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. There's a reason he's the top ranked player in every fantasy draft. And I understand fantasy and reality rarely compound and Carolina might not be a contender, but if McCaffrey is able to improve on his 2019 season, I think you have a strong argument that no other player in the NFL is more valuable to their team mm. than run CMC. At the very least, he's getting offensive player of the year. He would be the first Madden cover uh, for a white running back since the white Buffalo Peyton Hillis. Yeah. Ooh, I forgot about Peyton Hillis. How about that? <laughs> Worst Madden cover of all time for Ever. sure. Oh, yeah. that's too funny. Uh, so, I'm trying to win money, so I'm actually going to go with a quarterback because that's who always wins the MVP award. True. Um, and I, I think I'm going to double up. I don't know if we've, we're going to get into uh, teams yet or if you just want me to go into players, but maybe I'll just segue this into which team. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm doubling up. If we, we talked about uh, these are long shot MVPs, we're going to pick our long shot Super Bowl winner. If a long shot Super Bowl, if a long shot team wins the Super Bowl, that there's going to have to be a mediocre quarterback that steps up and has an incredible year. Um, so I'm going Justin Herbert. Uh, two of the last three MVPs have been second year quarterbacks, and honestly, Herbert's the only one that played the entire season between those two, between uh, Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Uh, They've solidified their offensive line with Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater. From every account, seems like a Pretty damn good pick. He's doing a lot better than Mark's guy, Penny Sewell. Um, 
And they have elite guys. Like they, they just have to stay healthy. I mean, with Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, who already hurt his hamstring today. So it's hurting my argument. Derwin James, um, if they can pull it together, uh, I'm going Chargers and Justin Herbert, and I got some pretty good odds on that. I got Herbert at plus 2,200 and the Chargers at plus 3,000. So nice. uh, I'm going to I'm gonna double up on that and, and say if the Chargers actually win the Super Bowl, which should be plus 3,000, uh, Justin Herbert's going to have to throw for 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions or less. Yeah. McCaffrey, by the way, is at plus 4,000. I don't even know what Garrett's at. Did you look that up? He's probably not listed uh, because there's no chance. Yep. Uh, he's yep. plus, plus 20,000. There you go. That's a great bet. Great hey, bet. You, you, should, you, should, you should throw 100 bones down on that. You know what's another good name? Jamal, Jamal Adams. That's another okay. defensive player that can win MVP. I like, I like hearing that. Uh, here's the thing. Christian McCaffrey had one of the best seasons in NFL history a couple of years ago and didn't even sniff the MVP. So you're also going to have to predict that the Panthers are at least going to win the South and they're in the same division as the Bucs. Um, so, I mean, he had one of the best seasons in history of running backs and he wasn't even in the top, you know, few voting. It's true. Uh, who do you got for Super Bowl, Cam? Uh, who do I have for the Super Bowl? Yeah. That's a great question because I'm actually just grabbing the odds right now. At plus – I can plus, come in if you need to take a look. No. At plus 5,000, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh. Why? No what? comments on that? Just picking a name a team and – do I have Go to comment on it? You don't have to yeah. comment. I, I don't I have, have plenty, to comment. I have plenty to I say. Don't, I don't have to comment because <laughs> you guys both know damn well that if the Steelers won the Super Bowl this year, you would not be surprised. It would not shock you. Wouldn't at all. Dude, if they – with Najee Harris taking a lot of heat off of, off of Roethlisberger this year, maybe his arm's in a little better shape. They have great receivers. They have a phenomenal defense. They have a great head coach who's been there before. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 5,001 to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, they've been if there before. Won, it wouldn't shock if they, me. If they won that division, you would not be surprised. Yeah. If they made it to the AFC Championship game, you would not be surprised. If they somehow snuck into the Super Bowl, you would not be surprised, nor would America. Yeah. That's, my, that's my long yeah. shot. Super good. I think that's I've actually a good match for a long shot, for sure. I've mentioned this on this podcast before, but many people forget that the Steelers started 11 and 0 last season. 11 and 0. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good pick. I, I totally I agree. I think Najee Harris, I think Najee Harris is going to be offensive rookie of the year. And I, I told this to Drew a couple of weeks ago, man. I think he's going to be offensive rookie of the year and he's going to give them a lot more balance because he can do things that James Conner couldn't do, regardless of their blocking scheme. All right. Haters will say I'm a homer. But my long shot prediction for the Super Bowl champion is the Seattle Seahawks. And if I'm being honest, don't even really think this is that much of a long shot other than the fact that they're plus 2000. But I think, you know, here's the thing. 2020 Seahawks had a stellar start to the season. They went five and zero. Russell Wilson was on a jet propelled trajectory to MVP. Then came the bye, followed by the three losses in four games and, 
The team admittedly seemed to have lost its momentum. Russell didn't look the same. No one did. Line was a mess. Defense struggled. But then from week 11 through week 17, they turned it around again, put together six wins in seven games. They finished the season 12 and four and as NFC West champions, best division in football with improved line play and a defense that 180 into arguably the best pass rush in the league. Yet the only thing anyone ever seems to remember about last season for them is the midseason slog and the loss in the wild card round of the playoffs, which was admittedly very disappointing. <laughs> then we had the off season and the Russell wants out narrative, which Drew has already covered earlier in the pod as being more smoke than fire. But for whatever little fire there was, I do feel like the front office has put it out. Russell got what he wanted. Seahawks hired former Rams passing game coordinator Shane Walden as offensive coordinator, uh, who's already allegedly established a rapport with Russell and an offensive game plan that's supposed to cater to stars quarterback strengths. They acquired Gabe Jackson from the Raiders, who didn't allow a single sack in 2020, and they reworked Dwayne Brown's contract. They have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, as well as the new addition of Western Michigan's D. Eskridge, who they selected 56 overall in the draft, and a fifth-year tight end, Gerald Everett, who they acquired from the Rams, who's no slouch himself. And the cherry on top, in my opinion, is the defense, which includes a ridiculous rotation of edge rushers, Carlos Dunlap, Kerry Hyder, Daryl Taylor, Raheem Green, LJ Collier, Alden Robinson, Benson Moyoa, and Jamal Adams, the best safety in the NFL. Keep in mind, too, Taylor didn't play at all last season. Green missed six games. Sprinkle in Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, who I expect to emerge as a serious force this year, along with Puna Ford, Al Woods, Quandre Diggs. I think this is a criminally underrated defense that's going to pick up right where they left off and then some. I'm taking the Seahawks at plus 2,000 straight to the bank. Their defense gets better as the year goes on, too. Yeah. Well, I think it's a I, – I, I think that's a good bet with those odds. The odds are – they shouldn't be that low. I agree. That's a good long shot bet. But I also don't think they've done enough since losing to the Rams to change their roster. Like They have the 10th best odds to win the Super Bowl. Is that really a long shot? We said plus, plus 2,000 or higher. Yeah, man, they are twenty five hundred. Now I'll give you that. No, I think I will say I think it's a good bet. You're right. There was just there, there's still just a lot of ifs for me. Yeah. Hey, here's an um, interesting one. If, here's an interesting if, one. Arizona Cardinals, thirty five hundred plus thirty five hundred. That's yeah, like fifteen. I mean, that's like make 15. an argument for it. I'm shy. That's that's a surprise. That that's that's a surprise that they're that high up on that list. Is it though? Yeah, they I'm finished, so, I'd be they, sure. What did they finish in the division last last year? Third. They, they finished third, fourth, third, third. Oh yeah, you're right. Because yeah. the Niners finished last. Yeah. I don't know. Look, Drew, NFC Drew, West is the best shot? division in football, so I think yeah. any of those teams minus the 49ers, you can make an argument for. Who's them. your long shot, well, Drew? Well. Thanks for listening, Ken. Mine was the Chargers, but I have another question to pose for you. <laughs> I know, but we didn't discuss it now. What do you have to say about the Chargers? Well, I I agree. I think they're going to be really good. <laughs> I also yeah. agree. I have a long shot. I have a long shot MVP candidate to throw out to you guys. Okay. And I mean, like a deep long shot. I think he's plus thirty six hundred. Jameis Winston. Voters also like people that came out of nowhere. No one expects anything out of him. 
He's still 27 years old. He was the number one overall pick, and he's playing under one of the best offensive minds in NFL history. I'm I'm not throwing any money on Jameis Winston, but I mean, I would if I was in Vegas, ten bucks to win three sixty, yeah. something like that. Yeah, dude, totally. Hey, that's a good pick, man. And and you know what? Learn getting a chance to learn behind Drew Brees for a year. Uh, here, here's here's a long shot that everybody that everybody can get on board with. Ryan Fitzpatrick plus fifteen hundred <laughs> for MVP. Hey, plus dude, watch this. Good... Not plus fifteen thousand. You mean fifteen thousand? <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry, it's been a long day. Yeah. Uh, but the Washington football team is going to be good, man. They may win that division on just on their defense alone. Ken, I will give you my firstborn child if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the MVP of the uh, 2022 season. And the last thing I need is more it's, kids, Mark. Jesus. 2021 season. I'm like, the, I'm like the old lady in the shoe over here. I don't know what to do with them. New season, new segment. Each week, we'll pick a three-game parlay with Drew, Ken, and myself making one selection in what we're calling our parlay party. Picks can be on the spread, the money line, or the over-under. Drew, you get to be the first to fall in the mud. Give us a surefire pick. So week one, I kind of like to look at situations more than actual teams because we don't really know at this point who, how some team played last week. Everybody's healthy, on and on. So I like, I like to take the home dog week one. I was looking at some lines. Love the Ravens, but Raiders plus four and a half. They're playing in front of their home fans for the first time ever. It's on Monday Night Football. I'm not saying they're going to win, but uh, four and a half seems high. I could easily see that coming down to a field goal game. So my pick is the Raiders plus four and a half. Nice. I like that pick. Ken. Well, you guys know how much I love Derrick Henry. And you know how much I think that the Titans are a good team and a force to be reckoned with. So I'm taking Tennessee minus two and a half at home against Arizona. Another good pick. I'm taking Jacksonville Jaguars minus three over the Houston Texans. I've already heard my rant on the Texans, but let me highlight a few other points. Sean Watson's inactive for week one. Tyrod Taylor is starting. The Texans' offense doesn't even matter. What does matter is the Texans' defense, which finished 30th in 2020, including dead last against the run. Rushing the quarterback and forcing turnovers were also glaring weak spots. With only nine takeaways, fewest in the NFL, they've got the second-oldest roster. It's a comical ensemble of players past their prime who were lucky to finish 4-12 and record last year, in my opinion. And to be frank, Jacksonville's defense isn't much better, but I could make some noise about their offense. As we talked about Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, how weird it is that they have three juniors at wide receiver. Do you realize this? <laughs> yeah. DJ Chark Jr., Marvin Jones Jr., LaVisca Chano Jr., what the fuck? <laughs> but I don't need to because Houston doesn't have anything to offer on either side of the ball. I'm picking against the Texans here as much as I'm picking for the Jags. Easy, breezy, beautiful Trevor Lawrence. This is money in the bank. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I, don't know, I feel man. like I, I, I think the public is way too against the Texans. It's you just, just told us too how far. great you thought Trevor Lawrence and the Jags were going to be offensively this year. My, 
Never been against the Texans in week one. My point was that Trevor Lawrence will be the best NFL quarterback at the end of their career of any rookie this year. I said nothing about how he would do in week one of his first game. Well, you guys, you guys are unfortunately married to me in this parlay, and this is my pick. Yeah. And I okay. will laugh at both of you next week if mine is the only one that works out. It probably will be. I know you in gambling. You seem to hit in unfortunate situations. Unfortunate. This would be very fortunate for us. Except for <laughs> maybe <true>. your pride. <laughs> next time you're in an unfortunate situation and you seem to hit, let me know, man. I'll throw well, in a few. Uh, you should just you, know. you should just go to Vegas and play uh, Wheel of Fortune's high roller <laughs> slot machine <laughs> makes $80,000. It's my favorite. Like our pick'em, the pod is approaching fantasy differently this year in another new segment named after Drew's favorite pastime. There's a thousand blogs and pods and pod blogs that cover fantasy ad nauseum. So we're going to focus on the treasure in the trash. Each week we'll select a player that is rostered in only 50% of leagues or less who we think will make an impact this week. Ken, who's your diamond in the rough? If this doesn't work out, we should start a pod blog. <laughs> we should start a pod blog. Or a pod okay. blog. Or a podio. <laughs> <laughs> a podio? <laughs> a podio. Why are they called podcasts? They should be called podios. Oh, that's a great know. name. Because yeah. I guess they're maybe they're put together and like, define ins and outs, therefore making them a pod. I'm pretty sure you guys forget this invention by Apple called the iPod. (laughs) That is also a good point. I'm going with Jameis Winston, though. Ooh. Going with Jameis Winston, man. He was only like, I think he's only on like 36% of rosters and for all the reasons Drew said before. He's got a great coach. He had a year to sit back and learn from a Hall of Famer. You know, I like that uh, pick. I think it's. I think that's I'm going a with Jameis. Yeah, Drew, where you landed on this? Until before I get to that, did you know that the dumpster was invented in 1930 by the Dumpster Brothers? Is that no. really why it's called a dumpster? Yeah, that's amazing. Why it isn't is. there a movie about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Mark. You're the movie maker. <laughs> why isn't there a movie about no, that? I'm gonna. I'm taking two things away from this podcast tonight. I'm making a movie about the Dumpster Bros and Mark Mosley. Mark Mosley, <laughs> yeah. Mark Mosley and the Dumpster Brothers. Yeah, making all one movie. How they tie together. You know how people say, like, I learn something every day. I'm hoping that we can provide that in this podcast for people. That's so right. there you go. There you go. My spicy nug of the week. Uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, he's only rostered in 47% of leagues. Uh, he's the number one receiver in Vegas. Uh, Aguilar's in uh, New England these days. He's got a good quarterback, a good offensive mind. And if he has a big game on Monday Night Football, which everyone will be watching, he will be deep down your waiver wire on Tuesday. So I think I – think Ruggs has a, a opportunity to be rostered by a lot more people next week. He could beat people down the field. He could beat people down the field, and Derek Carr could throw a deep ball, man. Well, I like that you mentioned Aguilar, because my pick is Nelson, who's now with New England, as Andrew pointed out. He's rostered in only 35% of Yahoo leagues, 
look, he had 896 yards and eight touchdowns at the Raiders last year. Now he's the number one wide receiver in New England. He's got Mac Jones under center, which Ken has covered. And I might not be as high on Jones as I am on Justin Fields, but Belichick is, and one of us gets paid for their expertise on this subject. I expect the Patriots offense to be fairly balanced. Jones, not very mobile quarterback. So when push comes to shove, he'll be throwing the ball a lot, which is to Aguilar's benefit. If Jones emerges as one of the premier quarterbacks from his rookie class, as Ken has uh, projected, there's even more upside. But either way you cut it, I see Aguilar improving on this 2020 season, which I think makes him a bargain you can still find at the bottom of the barrel. That being said, if we're talking about this week only, New England does face stout defense in Miami this weekend and Xavier Howard at a shutdown corner, which combined for the makings of a frustrating day for Aguilar. But I do think you should still grab and stash him now before it's too late. I'm like, I'm, I'm scarred by Patriots receivers. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to, yeah. not ready yeah. to jump back into that mix. Yeah, I'm not going there. I'm not it's, going there it's either. It's a new era. It's a new era in New England. Hey, you know who likes bargains? People at a chip. Yeah. $2 <laughs> t-shirts. At, uh, you know who Target, else likes Drew? bargains? People at Applebee's. Uh, yeah. Oh. Dude, uh, what's your favorite awful chain restaurant? If you had to choose, if the only thing you had to eat was an Applebee's, a Ruby Tuesdays, or a Friday's, which one are you going to? Well, I mean, it's, a little, it. it's a little hard to argue with any of them because the the magic ingredient to everything just seems to be sloppy melted cheese over ever whatever you want. It doesn't even matter what the fuck it is. It's yeah. like, yeah. here's, you know, here's some, some rice and stuff with cheese all over cheese it. Cheese all over it, yeah, yeah. Here's some, here's some beef with cheese all over it even yeah yeah Yeah. i mean yeah if you had to pick one though which one are you going with you're starving you are starving you haven't eaten in days and you come across this town in the middle of nowhere and the only three places to eat are applebee's ruby tuesdays and fridays where you go chilies and chilies so that's four where are you going oh chilies i've been to oh uh, yeah chilies is fun to drink at chilies is fun to drink at. <laughs> it is. Mark's not wrong. Back not in wrong. ESPN, and they have queso. Back in my ESPN days, you'd be in like Huntsville, Mississippi or something. Yeah. And you have no idea how lit a Chili's is on a Friday night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's getting it's down. Place to go. I yeah. got to be honest with you. I got to go Ruby Tuesdays, man. All you can eat appetizers. How could you go wrong with that? I don't know. You look like a Ruby Tuesdays guy. I, I mean, uh, Fridays, Fridays. Well, Ruby Tuesdays has a salad bar. That's like, a well, bonus for them. Appetizers. Yeah, they have like ten bucks, twelve bucks. You just a have sa- keep a salad bar. Out. Seems like a reason not to go. Mozzarella sticks and uh, spinach dip. Uh, TGA Fridays. For more picks <laughs> and projections, check out at Full Blown CVG on your favorite social media platform. You've heard of Mike McCarthy's mojo moment, but have you heard of Ken Menard's mojo meme? You haven't, but you will now. Ken, in the words of your favorite singer-songwriter. Hit me with your best shot. Hey, Pat Benatar is from Long Island. <laughs> Pat Benatar is from Long Island. Uh, why does this she not to, surprise me? She went to Lindenhurst High School. I, I, You know, for me, the best meme I saw this week was without a doubt, the split screen of Mac Jones and 
Cam Newton with their shirts off. One of these is an NFL quarterback and one of these is unemployed. That's got to be the best one, man. Got to be the best one. That's good. It just, it really just shows you to just uh, practice throwing balls through hoops instead of uh, pumping iron. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's not, doesn't, doesn't just, it's not just all about physical skills. There's more to it. There was a, there's a few good Cam Newton ones, right? What was the, we had a runner up. The, uh, oh, the Bishop Sycamore one. <laughs> Starting quarterback for Bishop yeah. Sycamore. Hi, man. Do your yeah. job well. By the way, did you Good see that you? Uh, your guy, Ken, Michael Strahan, just acquired the rights to the Bishop Sycamore movie? That's great. I don't even know what the fuck it is. That's all I heard about. Like, it was a bunch of old guys who wanted to play high school football and they still got shelled. <laughs> is that what happened? Basically. That's, basically. Yeah, that's the gist in a sentence. Yeah, yeah, as if ESPN couldn't get enough bad PR. Wait till the book me and Drew write about it. <laughs> I'm a ghostwriter. Yeah, same. <laughs> I used that one time. Dude, I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I told someone I was a ghostwriter for a porn magazine. <laughs> During a hurricane. I think I, I, drank, also- <laughs> I think I drank at a fucking Chili's that night. I had no choice. Yeah. Was it awesome? Yeah. It was what it was. I think I actually ate at a Golden Corral that day. First time ever. Ugh. You know what other you know what other uh what other meme I liked Kim Newton one was the uh one it's 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 got him side by side with a screenshot of the kid from the NFL Play Sixty T V commercial he was in. Hey Cam, thanks a lot for coming to my school today. No problem, Nate. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? And I'll grow up to be big and strong like you. Absolutely. And play in the NFL. Yes, sir. And be drafted number one. Maybe. And become the starting quarterback of the Panthers. Okay. You can be my backup. Excuse me? And make Panthers fans forget about you. What? And become your mom's favorite player. Whoa. I'm just loosening my arm. It actually happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what sucks? You know what sucks the worst about Cam Newton losing his job is just the memes and the gifts oh, of him walking dude. down the sideline, high-fiving people, him showing up to games looking like a, a 40s gangster. Yeah, they were the Monopoly man or, yeah. I'm going to miss the memes. I'm going to miss the memes. Where do, you, where do you think he winds up? Texans? <laughs> I don't think he plays again. He's done. You know who wouldn't be a bad team to sign him? is the Dolphins, uh, to put him in as a goal line yeah. weapon. Uh, they have Miles Gaskin as their running back who weighs about 140 pounds. Um, I might just sign yeah. him as like a, a, a short yardage weapon. Yep. Yeah, could be entertaining. Hey, New England connection with uh, Flores and uh, Belichick might get some intel on him. But – you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the, the stories are out. Uh, the COVID stuff had something to do with it. And uh, apparently he was asking Mac Jones for <laughs> about the playbook. Yeah. You were here last year, man. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, things like, but then there's people that defend the guy and they're like, oh, he's great. But if he was so good, somebody would, would sign him. Yeah, look, you anti-vax your way out of an NFL job. So inaccurate, bye. injury <laughs> prone. Yeah. You know what that sound is. It's time for our 
The finalist to potentially serve as a rebranding of the NFL's sole tautology, the Washington football team, have been released, and they're about as creative as one might expect from a city full of politicians. They are, in alphabetical order, Armada, Brigade, Commanders, Defenders, Presidents, Red Wolves, Red Hawks, and Washington football team. (laughs) True. Where would you cast your vote, or is this a fill-in ballot for you? I mean, Washington football team would just be amazing. Um, <laughs> like, why is Washington the least creative sports town of all time? Like, you're going to be the capital. You're going to be the Capitals. Yeah. You're going to be the Nationals, and the then presidents. you're going to be the Presidents. <laughs> like, what would your logo even be? I, I, I don't uh, know. Something racist, uh, probably. Well, they can't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they changed the name because for ins- for insensitivity purposes. And then you're the president and you're going to have your mascot be George Washington, who was a slave owner. So you can't win there. What are you going to do? Let's pick a mascot that's been white 99% of the time. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> watch, watch him pick Red Hawks and they don't even change the logo. They just go back so to my worst. Logos. My worst of, I, okay. My worst of your choices is the president's. That's terrible. That would be terrible. I can't believe that even made the final eight. Unbelievable. Um, I think Armada is kind of cool, to be honest with you. I think if I had to choose. Yeah, that's that's my pick of those those lists. But I I also think we should come up with something that uh, is not on that list. Just maybe like a write-in ballot type of thing. I got one. I got one. I do too. Okay. You go first. I did a little digging about Washington, D.C. history and United States government history. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was actually some debate about what the uh, the national bird should be and who's going to be on the flag and all that. And uh, Benjamin Franklin was actually against the bald eagle which the Eagles makes the most sense. Obviously that would be the answer if there wasn't an Eagles already. Um, he wanted it to be, uh, the, uh, the Turkey. The turkeys. <laughs> so I can, I won't read you the whole quote, but Benjamin Franklin was actually stumping for the turkeys. So I think it's the football gobblers, the Washington football gobblers. <laughs> I'm 100% behind the gobblers. I mean, Seems that. like they play on Thanksgiving a yeah, lot. Be Thanksgiving. Great. Totally. And they could what gobble about? up the they could gobble up the football, they could gobble up touchdowns, they could gobble <laughs> up interceptions. Turkey's legit. Gobble too. up fumbles. I love it. I'm 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 on board. I'm on board with the gobblers. Best, Washington best menu gobblers. item. Best menu item at a barbecue restaurant. The brisket will be fine without me. Yeah, but I'll have the turkey. I'll have the turkey. It'd make tailgating amazing. Imagine tailgating for the Washington Football Gobblers and just smoking a big ass turkey in the parking lot. Imagine just everybody in the stadium doing just gobbling turkey gobbling noises. <laughs> <laughs> The local possibilities are endless. <laughs> they went from the hogs, from pigs to uh, to, the, to turkeys. To the gobblers. What, yeah. what about the Gobble. Washington monuments? That almost feels, that's actually, a, a, would be right up the alley of what they seem to be doing. Isn't monuments that what the capitals are? Capitol yeah, building? But, yeah. Well, you have the capitals and you have the nationals. Why not the Washington monuments, man? Yeah. What's wrong with that? I, it would not surprise me, Ken, 
if they chose that name, even though is it's it not an option? Name. No, it's not. I I honestly I think Washington football team they sh- I think that's cool as shit, man. And I hate the Redskins. Their colors suck. Their uniforms suck. Washington, cool. Washington football team. Here's the thing that annoys me the most about it. And this is the, I, I actually, unlike you guys, I like soccer. But I will tell you the one thing that drives me fucking crazy about soccer is why are there some teams that have like a name or a mascot, you know, the Sounders, right? The Seattle Sounders. And then you have other teams that are like, you know, Los Angeles Football Club, or you have the Tottenham Hotspurs, but then you have Manchester United. It's like, Jesus Austin Christ, why, there's no consistency to the no. branding. Now we have one team that sounds like it's a soccer team. Ken loves Austin FC. Ken loves oh. Austin FC. Austin, Austin F- FBC. The Austin, Austin FBC. <laughs> the Austin, Austin FC is a, the transplant excuse to feel like a – gives a transplant a reason to feel like a local. Ken loves That's scarves too. I, here's, uh, here's what I find probably the most amusing about the, the Washington football team. This is, we have to, we have to take a little walk back in history here. The year was 2013 when Washington owner, Dan Snyder speaking to the U S today, infamously said, we'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use caps. Fast forward to now. Seems like the old adage Never say never is truer than, well, ever. And this is why I'm filling in my ballot for the Washington Nevers. It works on lots of levels. Dan can tell everyone it's a giant fuck you to PC culture. And we can all laugh about how it's actually the greatest cell phone in the history of sports ownership. (laughs) Everyone wins. Washington Nevers. I like it. Dan Snyder told me to go fuck myself to my face. <laughs> why does that surprise me? Why? Why? Nor should it. I mean, has he has he ever said it? That's how he greets everybody. No, I, we had a th- we were doing a Redskins game, and one of John Gruden's assistants, named Paul Kelly, great guy. He's the director of football operations for the Redskins. So he left. He after one year working with us, he went to the Redskins when Jay Gruden was hired, right? Because he, you know, he's in cahoots with him. So the next year we went and did a game, and he set up this uh, dinner happy hour type of thing. It was pretty good, man. The food was great, and he's like, "Hey, uh, Dan's was it a Ruby Tuesdays or um, no, no? I think it was Applebee's, at a Chili's. It was at a, it was at a Texas Roadhouse. So the uh, so they, <laughs> they they he's like, "Hey, Dan's coming." Right, Dude, there's well. a Texas Roadhouse right up the street from my house in in San Diego. Have you been there yet? No. Uh, I bet it's fun to drink at, though. It Apparently, Chili's is. is too. But isn't so, there a place anyway, where you can throw peanuts on the ground? No, but you can pick out your yes. No, you can, and you can pick out your steak too. And they have like yeah. a cinnamon butter roll that they give you. Oh. But have the turkey, Drew. Anyway, so the so Dan's sh- he's like Dan's showing up. Dan's coming. So I'm standing by the door and Dan Snyder walks in in just, you know, like a winter coat, pair of jeans and sneakers that were untied. And the first thing Paul Kelly says to says to Dan when he walks in, he goes, hey, Dan, guy's a Giants fan right there. And they were playing the Giants on Monday night. So Dan just turns to me and goes, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the game. If you remember 
like Jim Zorn was the coach and he did like that weird um, uh, extra point where he did like the muddle huddle where they oh, moved yeah. it. And then one kept yeah. kicking it anyway, just as a fuck you to him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a good, good, good pregame catering meal. Catering well, meal. If you've got a topic or question you'd like us to consider for a future episode, please email fullblowncoverage at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platforms at fullblowncvg. Drew, Ken, any closing comments before we sign off? Oh, I just started a new a new Twitter called FBC Drew. Follow, follow me too. There you go, at FBC Drew. Uh, do I got to get back on Twitter yeah. now? I got to get just back on Twitter, F- don't you? Start FBC Chili's. Well, I could just can I just change mine? <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be great, hey. man. Be great. Hey, you can just change yours. Ken, you just call it Ken Spicy Nugs. Yeah, Spicy Nugs. Hey, you, Ooh, the, that's a good one. At, at tw- Spicy Nugs. Twenty. What is it? Twenty-four weeks of holidays starts Sunday. That's right. Twenty-four that's weeks of holidays starts Sunday. Cannot wait. But that's all we've got for today's episode. Tune in next week for more full-blown coverage. Full-blown, 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 full-blown.